everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Lights Out podcast. We've all got massive smiles on our faces because at the moment it's Monday evening and it is race week. The Formula One season, the 2022 Formula One season starts this Sunday or this Friday, technically. Um, we're all really excited for it. There's plenty to, to get us in the mood. There's drive to survive and you've also got us for rambling on at you for half an hour or so to get you up for the new season. Um, I'm joined as always by Joshua Fletcher, Callum M and Callum O. Uh, they'll be with me. Um, for the whole of the season, hopefully, um, got plenty to talk about. To talk about ahead of the new season, um, tomorrow is going to be the big one for us. We're going to be doing our, our preseason predictions um, this time tomorrow and, and talking about those. So look out for them later on in the week. But for now, we're looking ahead to the first race of the season, uh, where we are heading to Bahrain. Obviously, the teams have just had. Uh, a couple of days testing there last week, which is interesting to watch. Obviously, it's impossible to tell who's where. We've got some kind of idea, but I don't think we're going to know until Q3. Um, anyway, plenty to talk about. We've got Drive to Survive. We've got a new driver on the grid, a driver swap. Um, uh, and then we're also going to talk about Bahrain as a season opener and, and what we've seen at the Bahrain Grand Prix in the past. Uh, but first of all, let's talk about Drive to Survive. The Netflix series came out on Friday. Uh, me and Joshua, the little nerds we are, have already watched the whole thing in uh, the space of three days. Um, Callum M is only on one episode, so I'll come to you first, Callum. Um, you've watched the first episode, which was kind of a, a setup for the season. Um, are, you, are you enjoying it so far from what you've seen? Uh, no. Uh, it was a, I mean, as, as opening episodes go, it wasn't. It was just a big setup for everything to come. You know, that's understandable. But yeah, just I was just watching it like, oh no, I don't like this. Something feels very off about this series, and I hadn't heard good things going in, going into it. And uh, yeah, some of them were, were validated uh, watching it. But uh, I'll still watch the rest of the series. I'm told there is some quite interesting stuff that happens. But uh, yeah, I'm a little little concerned for Drive to Survive. Um, this is I'm hearing is the worst of the four series so far. So uh, yeah, which I'm I'm sure you'll uh, either tell me is correct or I've been hearing something wrong. But yeah, uh, I wasn't impressed so far. I think for me, the, the only thing that that's confused me a little bit so far is we've not seen the conclusion to some of the stories that have been set up earlier in the series. Um, you know, with, with some of the teams that we saw, for, you know, there's I don't want to spoil it too much for you, but there's battles between teams and then we don't actually see what happens and who wins at the end of the season. It's kind of they just focus on that one race and and, and how that goes. But yeah, I'll try to try not to say too much. Um, Callum, oh, you've obviously um, watched probably the final setup episode, if you like. I think the last one you watched is episode... Uh, eight and you've just got nine and ten left which are obviously um covering the, the last two races of, of the season um how well has it been set up for you and, and how have you enjoyed what you've seen so far um I think, I think you're right in what you say that there's a lot of focus on certain drivers or certain teams at a certain point and then nothing else and i think it's something that's been lost since the start of drive to survive era was uh, the 2018 one stands out for me is probably the best example of how it should be done it gave you, it'd focus on someone or a team for a bit. And then as the episode ends, it would tell you how it ends up for them. So I remember with, there was an episode about Marcus Ericsson. It was talking about how he's fighting for his Sauber seat. And at the end of the episode, they said he wouldn't, he wouldn't be on the grid in 2019. I think if that was in this series, you wouldn't know if he was on the grid in 2019, if you were a first time viewer. So I think, I, I don't know, I, I would agree that it's been the worst of the four. It's still, still good watching but i haven't enjoyed it as much as i'd hoped i would 
And Joshua, you've obviously seen the whole thing. You've seen the way that Abu Dhabi was uh, portrayed, which obviously must have brought back a lot of uh, bad memories for you. Um, for me, I, 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 you know, I was sat in the same place watching Drive to Survive as I was Abu Dhabi, and it brought back uh, probably good memories for me. But at the time, it shouldn't have been good memories because of obviously the, the way it happened and and what happened. Um, but I think the end, I think they uh, they did very well. I think they portrayed the the. Abu Dhabi very well and, and dramatically. I remember they did the Grosjean crash particularly well, which was at the end of, uh, of the 2020 season, wasn't it? Um, and I think they did Abu Dhabi quite well. But but what did what have you thought of it, Joshua, having watched the whole thing? Yeah, it's, it, I think it isn't, because of the hype it's had for the first three, I think you're always going to struggle to to live up to that. Uh, I think the first episode did quite well in the, in the shock factor. I remember like, I just wanted to hear jaw drop that some of the comments that were said uh, but that was pretty more as a Hamilton fan, and therefore Mercedes by association. Yeah, it's it's good. There was there's obviously some funny moments with our favourite characters, um, but yeah, it's it's all right. I think the Abu Dhabi thing again. You you don't see anything almost you've never seen before. Um, mm. You sort of see everything you expect to see in it. But yeah, it was it was portrayed fairly. I was worried that it might be too max leaning or. Yeah over the top on how outrageous this was but it found it found a quite a good balance and I hope I feel I've said nothing that hasn't spoiled it for the for the two that haven't seen those episodes mm. yeah I think uh, I think that's where we'll, we'll park the, the drive to survive talk I mean the funny moments uh, for, for me is um, I'll just say Gunter Steiner's photo shoot um, yes. and we'll leave I didn't know what you liked it uh, so, so Callum, Callum, Callum man, look, look forward to that one that, that was uh, probably one of my favourite moments um, and also the one where he tells the uh, Toto tells you know says something to to one of the I think it was the Dutch TV reporters, um, but again we'll we'll leave that to uh, yeah. for you guys to to watch anyway. And um, there's been a bit of news. Uh, obviously, we spoke about I think it was me that actually spoke about it on our, our liveries pod that about Nikita Mazepin. Um, I said that he probably would be in Bahrain. Uh, I, you know, I hold my hands up and kind of take back what I said um, because I did kind of come away from that and, and read an hour later that you know. His dad was, you know, close to, to the Russian president and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'll, I'll kind of uh, take back what I said about that. And Nikita Mazepin won't be competing um, in, in Formula One because of obviously what's going on in the world and, and his, you know, his dad's closeness to uh, Vladimir Putin. But um, that's obviously bad news that, that all about that's gone on. Um, but the good news is we've got a returning driver. We've not got a rookie. You know, we, we, we were hearing that it could have been, you know, Fittipaldi or Giovinazzi could have come back. Um, as, as Callum has said, is probably the most um, forgettable driver in Formula One history. So Callum's probably glad he's not back. Um, but Kevin Magnussen is back. Um, he was set to race in IndyCar. I think he tested I thought, um, as well before, before the start of the season and is now in Formula One. Um, Callum M, what, what did you make of the return of K-Mag? Are you looking forward to seeing him back in an F1 car racing in Bahrain? Yeah, I was a little surprised, actually, that he came back because uh, he was enjoying life outside of F1. He had spoken before about how he didn't, really liked the way that he left Haas. Uh, he felt it was very unfair, but uh, yeah, for him to come back and uh, put some very impressive testing times in as well. Um, so, I mean, insert your Haas become world champions meme here, I guess. But uh, <laughs> no, he's a driver I've always quite liked. Uh, I would have preferred Romain Grosjean, but that's because my dad is a big Grosjean fan uh, and uh, by default time as well, I guess. But uh, no, yeah, looking forward to seeing him back. And Callum, it's obviously good to see K-Mag back. Uh, Callum mentioned it there. We would have preferred to see to see Grosjean. Is there anyone you would have liked to see put in that Haas seat over him? Would you like to have seen maybe a, a younger driver given a chance? I mean, out of who is available, I think K-Mag was 
by far and away the best choice because I think Giovinazzi has proven he's not quite F1 quality. He's I could not agree more with Callum. He's painfully forgetful, like forgettable. But um, I mean, Oscar Piastri was ruled out quite early. Um, Pietro Fittipaldi is nowhere near the credentials for F1. So it came down to Hulkenberg or Magnussen. And if Magnussen almost gives me a lot of, he sort of, he's very much a driver who wasn't quite given his fair shot. He had a lot of time in F1, but in very uncompetitive machinery for a lot of it. And while that might not change at Haas, I don't think his time in F1 was necessarily done. So I'm happy to see him back. Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how he does and see see how competitive that that Haas car is or, or isn't this year. Um, I think the thing with me is that the fact they've not. I think Gunter Steiner said they've deliberately not brought a rookie in because they would have had to kind of go back to where they were last year in terms of having you know two very inexperienced and, and relatively new drivers in Formula One. So so yeah, makes sense. Um, I don't know if Joshua's got anything to add on that. Are you, are you happy to see him back? Is there anyone else you would have preferred to see in there? Um, I mean. It is what I think it's a sensible decision. He knows the team. I know it's a new car, but he knows the team. He knows everyone in it. He knows Gunter Steiner. It's probably the safest bet they could have made. It's not the most exciting for, for F1 fans, but it's, it is what it is. And speaking of uh, young drivers getting opportunity, obviously Daniel Ricciardo has uh, has missed most of testing, and um, London Norris had to fill in for him and, and do all three days in in uh, Bahrain last week. Um, but I saw the other day that uh, Oscar Piastri has been given permission by Alpine to to drive the McLaren um, if Ricciardo is missing. And uh, I think Callum, we saw at the end of last season. I don't know if you watched F two, but he was very vocal about the fact that he's won the World Championship, the F two Championship. And I was going to sit on the sofa for a year, was, was the way he put it. Um, how exciting would that be to see Piastri put in a McLaren that, that looks fairly competitive as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's hyping him as the, the next big thing, which makes me slightly worried that he's not going to be. But uh, he's, I mean, his credentials speak for him, really. He's a, a very, very talented young driver who should have an F1 seat this year. Uh, unfortunately, obviously, it's not worked out. That's just how it goes. And we've seen plenty of drivers sort of fall who've done really well in the junior series not being able to get into F1 for one reason or the other. But yeah, I would be very excited to see what he could do, especially in a in a McLaren, which would probably be a more competitive car than Alpine, uh, to be perfectly honest. But uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. It also does seem, though, an important to note that Ricardo um, has tested positive for COVID and it does seem like he is recovering fairly well from what we're hearing. And, and you know, a lot of speculation is that he probably will be back in time. Whether we see Piastri maybe in a practice session or two, who knows? Um, but yeah, it'd be exciting to see Piastri, but just as good as well to get Daniel Ricciardo back uh, and get him back up to speed, which I'm sure McLaren will want to. Let's move on then. Let's talk about the track itself, uh, Bahrain, the Sakir International uh, Circuit, as it's called, all two or three miles or however long it is. I probably should research that. Um, but anyway, uh, Calamo, um, this is probably the, is this the second or third year we've seen Bahrain as, as the opening Grand Prix? Um, do you think it's a good good place to, to start the season off? Um. When it was when it was the first race last year, I was sceptical. But the more I thought about it, I do think it is quite a good place to start. I think fresh off of testing from there, sort of under the lights, because when everyone's under the lights, it is a little bit special. And I think it's just a good way to open the season. It's a solid track. It's probably a more entertaining race than Melbourne. And it's not at five in the morning for those of us who watch it in England. <laughs> so I think in terms of starting race, I think it's solid. Mm. 
Um, and Joshua, we obviously saw a fairly exciting uh, first race there in, in 2021 with uh, Lewis and Max having that uh, battle on, on track. That was kind of the that kind of lit the spark for the season. Um, didn't quite, you know, make it into into the MMA fight that Toto Wife called Toto Wolf called it um, during Drive to Survive. But it, it certainly lit the spark. And uh, whoever wins on on Sunday is certainly going to do that as well, I think, and, and make make our heads turn. And, and it's going to, you know, can't wait to see who's who's going to come out on top. But what do you think of it as a first race of the season? Yeah, it's it's hard. I think we all understood with with COVID that Australia we couldn't go racing there, and it was a bit like oh, it's sort of changing the times. But I think as as Callum said rightly, so it's it does feel different under the lights. A bit more of a celebration. We start under the lights, we end under the lights under Bahrain now, um, and it sort of feels like every, like everything's coming together. You start, you celebrate, and then whatever happens at the end, we celebrate. So I think, yeah, I think Bahrain's a I'm warming to the idea the longer we the longer we stay there. And Callum, the big issue um, last season was track limits um, over at Turn Four. Um, we obviously know that 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 part of the track can carry on into the the alternative, um, you know, the alternative route that we used. I think in 2020 when that was when Russell stepped in the Mercedes. Um, so plenty of space to go off in Bahrain. Um, track limits is obviously an important issue, and, and obviously Max had to get, had to give the place back. Uh, against uh, Lewis last year, but then people came out and said, "Well, Lewis kept running wide in qualifying and, and, and during the race, and, and kind of got away with it." So, what have we got to do with track limits this season? Has it got to be the same for all circuits, or, or have the FIA got to try and go circuit by circuit again? You got to go circuit by circuit, but there, this this is an issue that's gone on for so many years now. It's it's a bit like uh, you know offsides and handballs and football, I guess, at this stage. You know, just. Every time we go racing, there's always track limits, this track limits, that. And there just needs to be, the drivers just need to be told, look, here are the white lines. Don't go all the way out, basically. Uh, that's It's simple. I don't understand why we have to have this debate all the time. Obviously, you've got to have some leniency depending on the track and such. But yeah, it's, it's the track limits are there for a reason. Why can't drivers just stick to them? I don't know. I don't see the obsession with having to run wide at every corner. Uh, in every lap so yeah it's it's just an annoying bin by this point and let's hope with obviously this new era of, of formula one cars that we've got that you know after the first race it's not track limits that we're talking about because you know last year it was obviously hamilton versus verstappen but that was kind of overshadowed i think we spent most of the, the pod talking about track limits which, which was a bit annoying um in terms of uh, previous winners there um it's a very german uh, and british track uh, dominated by by Brits and Germans in recent years. Nico Rosberg, uh, Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel uh, have won all of the uh, Grand Prix held in Bahrain uh, since I think about 2010. Hamilton won it in 14, 15, 19, 20 and 21 with Vettel winning it in 12, 14, 17 and 2018. They're obviously the most successful. Um, Ferrari seem to be one of the most successful constructors um, in Bahrain and, and Calamo, they seem to be one of the most successful constructors in testing. So could you, could you see Bar uh, Ferrari challenging in Bahrain? Yeah, and I think it will become a feature of this season that Ferrari will challenge. And they've they've got the driver lineup to do it and they have they had that driver lineup last year. And I just think the car's taken that step that it needed to. And I think that comes down to obviously having more time in the air in the wind tunnel um following their poor twenty twenty. So a lot more development time last year for this year. So I think Ferrari will be firmly at the front in um Bahrain. Mm. 
And it's it, probably important to note as well that Ferrari success came mainly in the noughties in 04, 07, 08, 10, and then 17 and 18, whereas Mercedes are just all throughout the teens, 14, 15, 16, 19, 20 and 21. So pretty dominant for Mercedes. But who knows where they're going to end up, Joshua? They're obviously your team. You're obviously supporting uh, Lewis Hamilton, who's got the number from the 44 in his car, not the number one this year. Um how, how is how are Mercedes going to do in Bahrain? Because, you know, are they just doing what they did last year and, and just not playing their full hand yet? Or do you think there are genuine problems with that car? I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> it's, it's so tricky because you, you see, I saw I saw something on Twitter. I forgot who it's from. Sort of said, like, they showed the last four seasons in Hamilton's interviews. And every time he said, oh, I don't know if we have the pace. I'm worried. <laughs> Red Bull, Ferrari this, Red Bull that. I think every year for 17, 18, 19, 20, or 18, 19, 20, 21, every year he sort of under, undermines the car and undersells the car and then he comes in and blows them away in, in Saturday qualifying. Um, but journalists this time, I feel, seem to think that there is issues there and maybe it won't be going to be up to performance on Sunday. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to underestimate Mercedes I think we've learned learned not to but I also uh, there's no smoke without fire I don't think you'd be hearing reputable journalists say maybe let's wait four or five races if there wasn't some truth to it so I don't I don't know but he, he pulls it out of the bag quite a lot of the time doesn't he so um, let's, let's wait and see on that one but I still can't make my mind up I mean, I've not seen, you know, any of our predictions yet for the season and we'll talk about it more more tomorrow. But I can't see any of us putting Mercedes lower than third in the championship at the moment, you know, maybe even second, potentially. Um, and Callum M, I think the thing is Mercedes, they're like a, you know, a title winning football team. They always find a way to win, don't they? So, so I think whatever doubts they've got now, they'll probably be on by race four, five, six, seven. Yeah, traditionally, Mercedes don't tend to start the season uh, that well in terms of car performance, at least. I think last season, I think it was very clear Red Bull had the quickest car. And then even in 2017, 2018, Ferrari definitely started the season a lot stronger. Uh, but then, as it's, it's a cliche at this point, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. By the end of the season, Mercedes could easily have the best car and Lewis Hamilton will hit probably his best form of the season, like he did uh, last year. Uh, of course, he won like four of the last five races. Maybe he should have won all five, but let's not get into that now. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, yeah, again, as as it's already been said, Lewis has said, "Oh, the car's not that quick," which is usually code for it is it's still quick. It just might not be as quick as the others. But who knows? Testing means nothing, as I've said it before. Testing means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. Mm. And I, th- I think uh, FP1, 2 and 3 also kind of mean nothing in, in Bahrain as well. I don't think, I, you know, I said it earlier, I don't think we're going to see any representative times until we get to probably Q, Q1, 2 and 3. And, you know, that, I think that's where everything's going to be. But then we could also see quick cars that aren't reliable in, in the race. So that's that's also going to be interesting to see. Um, let's stop talking about cars, because if I start to carry on talking about them and all the different designs that we've seen, we'll be here for hours. Um, and that's kind of the purpose of tomorrow to talk about cars and teams and drivers and stuff like that. So we'll save that for tomorrow. Let's talk about what we think is going to happen this weekend. Obviously, we've not got a lot to base it on. We've got testing times which aren't particularly representative. Um, so, Callum O, I'll throw it to you first. Um, let's have your top three for Sunday afternoon. Um, oh, sorry, I'm not too sure. 
obviously no one is, but I've gone with, I've, I've believed the fact that Mercedes may not be there winning races. So I've gone with Lewis Hamilton in third, Charles Leclerc in second, and Max Verstappen to win the Grand Prix. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Joshua, you've pulled a face at that. Let's hear, let's hear what you've gone with. No, not that. I, 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 I sort of, I had that, those three here for my top three quali, but a different race result. So I had Max to qualify P1, Hamilton P2, Charles P3. I had Hamilton to win, Verstappen second, and George Russell to get a podium on his Mercedes debut. Interesting, interesting. I'll go with mine next. Um, I've got the same top three as both as, as Callum, um, but in a different order. Um, I've gone with Leclerc to win it, um, and that's just based off of how good the Ferrari and how reliable the Ferrari's been in testing. Um, I've gone with Verstappen second, and then I think, I, like Callum, I believe that the Mercedes isn't quite going to be up to scratch, but I think Lewis Hamilton will kind of um, you know, drive the hell out of it and drive it to the maximum like, like we saw at the end of last season, and I think he'll come home to finish third. Um, Callum, then, what about yourself? Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going for a Red Bull 1-2. Uh, I think they do have the quickest car and I think they'll edge it uh, everyone else. Uh, I have gone with Max Verstappen to win, annoyingly. Uh, my boy Sergio Perez second. Uh, and then in third, and this might surprise people, I think George Russell will beat Lewis Hamilton and take that third spot. On the podium, so yes. Talk to us about that one then, because you've obviously both both put Russell on the podium yourself and, and Joshua. But Callum, we'll come come back to you first, Callum. M. Um, why have you gone with Russell in third? What what's making you think that he's going to have the edge over Hamilton? I think we've we've seen it before. He's got just amazing raw pace. I think I definitely think he'll outqualify Lewis. Uh, you know, he is Mister Saturday and all that kind of thing. But uh, also maybe it's the wishful thinking. But uh, he was obviously so close to winning. Uh, in Bahrain or around the Sakir circuit uh, when he had that one-off uh, race with Mercedes in 2020. So this would be a great redemption story uh, to get that podium. Uh, maybe something more, we'll, we'll never know. But uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to see him on the podium, as as would pretty much everyone, I think, to be honest. Mm. And Joshua, so similar sort of thinking for you, putting, putting Russell up there on the podium? Yeah, I... I, it's because I can't make my mind up with Mercedes. I'm probably going to like a fool and it's going to be Verstappen winning it by by a few seconds and Perez and Charles and Carlos Sainz and Lando all up there and Mercedes nowhere near. But I don't know. I think Russell will want to prove a point. And also I think Hamilton will. I think Hamilton will have, have something that sort of retribution in his mind um, and sort of almost prove that it hasn't broken him and he's still the best driver of all time uh, or definitely on the, on the, on the grid this season. So I don't know. I, th- I think, I think for Mercedes it's more personal than, than it is necessarily car. I think they'll, they'll push that car to the absolute max. Mm-hmm. And I think we've also both seen the last 30 seconds of drive to survive and what Toto Wolf said as well, which, which probably has made, has made you uh, think that as well. Um, Let's come with a, the wildcard prediction, something a little bit silly, something that might not happen but probably could happen. You never know, the crash or a safety car, red flag, whatever. Um, Callum O, we'll come to you first. What's your wildcard for Sunday afternoon? It's, I, I don't know if it's the wildest of wildcards, but I've gone Mick Schumacher to get into Q2 comfortably. I don't think he'll be 15th. I think he'll set a decent time and end up in Q2. 
Yeah, fair enough. It seems that uh, there are other teams uh, other than Haas that seem to have uh, worse issues than Haas, and you know it wouldn't be a surprise to see them there. Um, Callum O will come. Uh, Callum M, sorry, we'll come to you next for your your wild prediction. Uh, I've gone one step further than Callum Owen. Uh, I've put Haas to score points on Sunday. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether it will be Mick Schumacher or Kevin Magnussen, but it looks like they've made a lot of progress with this new car. And I know that, again, I said testing means nothing, but Magnussen was very quick in testing. Uh, so who knows, maybe, I'm not saying they're going to get into the points a lot this season, but I think they'll definitely be in contention for them. And I reckon they'll get some points this weekend. I'm smiling because I've gone with exactly the same prediction. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, so I've gone with has points. I've not said, I've not specified who, but I've gone with has points. There's just something about it. I think maybe Drive to Survive just makes me like them. And then I see kind of how rubbish they are and don't like them again. And then I watch them on Drive to Survive and like them. And it's just kind of an endless, endless cycle. Uh, yeah, I've gone with has points, I think, just because like we've already mentioned, there are teams that have got worse problems than has. I think Alpha had a terrible test. Um, Williams don't, didn't seem to have the best test in the world um, and neither did the Alpine well Alpine did okay but but not quite as bad as, as Williams and Alpha and I think they're certainly ahead of those two at the moment so yeah that's why I've gone with Haas points you never know with a bit of luck crash safety car like I said who knows um, Joshua let's come to you before we wrap up what's your wildcard prediction for us <laughs> almost unbelievably I've also got Haas to score points <laughs> <laughs> we should have discussed this <laughs> I haven't specified I haven't specified two but uh, I think Haas will score points this weekend. <laughs> that's uh, that's a reminder to us every episode to now check our predictions before we all start. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, yeah, so uh, we'll all probably we're all all three of us are probably going to predict Haas to win the world championship tomorrow. That's probably what's going to happen next. Um, so yeah, uh, three three Haas points. Um, imagine if it happens, it, it'd be brilliant. Imagine they're just bought last of the grid again and just nowhere to be seen like they were last year. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that'll be closer. Um, but yeah, so many different cars, so many different designs. We're going to talk about all of that tomorrow and, and, and where we think everybody is. Um, but we're extremely excited for the start of the season and uh, hopefully you'll be along uh, for the ride with us. Um, thank you to Joshua, Callum and Callum. Um, we'll be back later on uh, with our pre-season predictions. Cannot wait for that one. So uh, make sure you don't miss it. Make sure you follow all our socials as well, I'm sure. Um, Joshua will stick that in, in kind of the, the description as well so uh, yeah make sure to go and follow us on Twitter Instagram I think we're on TikTok as well um, so yeah everything will be over there so yeah cool that's it from all of us thank you very much for listening watching and we'll see you next time for our predictions pod.